This is On Your Radar, a podcast series produced at WGN Radio with the clinical staff, doctors, and folks from Rosecrans. I'm John Williams, and the title of this episode is Breaking Misconceptions. We'll talk in this episode with Colleen Fry, the Director of Alumni Relations for Rosecrans, and also Paul Gilmet, who is the Director of Access at Rosecrans Lakeview. And the idea of this podcast, as well as the ones we've been producing of late, is to not just talk about the struggle of getting through an addiction, but what life can be like on the other side. So let's break some of those misconceptions. Uh, so Colleen, nice to meet you. And Paul, welcome back. Yeah, Thank happy you, John. to be here. We shared a private joke off the air when I said, Paul, I want to make sure I get your name right, because <laughs> I have talked to you before. It's G-I-L-M-E-T, and I said, that's Gilmet, And you said, yes, but not... Gimlet. Gimlet's. <laughs> Because that's a cocktail. And you are in recovery, right? I am in recovery, yes. As are you as well, right? I am. So both of you can talk about this maybe from a professional standpoint, but also a personal standpoint as well. And I said, oh, gee, my wife likes that cocktail. And then you said cocktail jokes. And I said, gee, nobody wants to be the person that as a recovered person brings the room down. Don't say that. Don't do that. Hide your beer. Does that happen? Is that something that you all have encountered over the years? I would definitely say early on that was something I was hyper-conscious of. Being at a first holiday party or wedding reception and thinking that everybody might be on pins and needles around me or not really knowing how to approach me as it related to being now sober. They may have known only one other Paul in their life, and it was – the guy that was probably excited about the open bar opportunities. And now all of a sudden, the drink is no longer in hand. So how do we operate around Paul? Well, that's their problem, though, right? I mean, you've got enough on your plate if you're a newly sober person to stay sober, right? There's certainly a lot on the plate. You know, navigating that situation for the first time can be complicated. You know, going into a room where there might be a lot of frivolous drinking and socializing and knowing that there's opportunity there to potentially put yourself in kind of a slippery situation, you have to navigate that ahead of time and figure out, okay, what's my playbook going to be walking into this wedding reception? How am I going to be able to successfully make this through for the first time ever in life at a wedding reception and come out the other side sober? So have I let people know ahead of time, hey, new friends that I've found in sobriety, I'm going to be going to a wedding reception on Saturday night, and I'd like you to be on the lookout for my phone call in the event I need to touch base with somebody really? else in recovery. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then do you alert, Colleen? Were you in similar situations as well when you became sober? Yeah, very much. Uh, and I think when to pick up what Paul was talking about was what worked for me was alerting my family of, hey, if I come to this event – this wedding or this Thanksgiving gathering, and I decide that I have to leave because that is something that I need to do to protect my recovery, involving them in that communication of them knowing why I'm leaving and that it has nothing to do with the people at the party or what, you know, just that my recovery has to come first now. And involving them in the plan takes away that misconception of why is she leaving? What did we do wrong? Did we say beer or did we do this? And well, this is why she scenarios, left. But at the wedding reception or the Thanksgiving dinner, they are having alcohol in mm -hmm. these scenarios you guys are describing. So I'm thinking of two different tracks. I was thinking about just enjoying your life. 
as a sober person. You're talking about being able to physically accomplish it, just not drink at the party, let alone have fun, right? These are two different conversations we're having here. Absolutely. I think the not drinking component was really a bigger deal early on. You know, going through some of these things for the first time, those were real challenges uh, because here's a social event there's a lot of drinking going on i need to get through this but over time and experience and and days become weeks become months become years and years and years of sobriety and, and learning that the event isn't about me the event's about the wedding reception the events about the the couple getting married it's about them so what can i bring to the party how can i have fun at this party how can i enjoy myself dancing sober did it surprise you someday colleen when you found yourself enjoying a social event without alcohol it did but for me too it was very much connected to my mental health of the anxiety of just being at an event in general and being around people and being able to talk to them without a substance But that doesn't sound fun. Like you said, getting through this, the anxiety I'm going to have being there, that doesn't sound like a fun experience for you. But now it is – I have so many more permission slips in life. Like I am able to uh, participate in many more activities I never imagined I would have and have fun doing it and actually remember it and walk away with meaningful experiences, whether that's just you know going to a concert – and having a great time and understanding that I don't need a drink or a drug to be there um, or participating in a relationship or whatever it may be with a family or a friend or, you know, that I'm able to show up and experience joy. To me, one of the biggest things about recovery is experiencing joy. What do you mean by that? I think that <laughs> joy was something I had long forgotten about. Really? So were you an alcoholic or were you – you, you sounded depressed in that sense. Yes. Yeah. I mean, alcoholic, what day was it? You know, what What was the solution? Uh, I try, uh, Alcohol was the most and often the thing that I went to, but there was other many other drugs that I had tried. But depression, uh, anxiety, social anxiety, they all were bundled up into one. But I think a lot of people think the way they watch a game, the way they go to a concert, the way they do Lollapalooza, the way they mm-hmm. they do Thanksgiving is, is with alcohol. Even if that's not abusing alcohol, you are imagining a life without a drop of this stuff, all of these kinds of things. And so I think the I, I, I don't know if it's just a stigma, but I think it's a roadblock for people. It's like, no, but I still want to have fun. How am I going to watch a game without a beer? Or if I can do that, accomplish it, as you said, um, will it be fun, though? I mean, yeah, I can do it, but I could lift weights and do sit-ups all day, and that's not necessarily fun. Will it be fun for me? What's your answer to that? My answer to that is... I thought everybody at the game was drinking to the levels I was drinking. I thought everybody in some of the party towns like Nashville and Las Vegas were drinking like I was drinking. I thought everybody was going out on Friday and Saturday nights and having so much to drink that they didn't really remember how the night ended. And what I've come to find out in my personal sobriety is not everybody is drinking at that level. Most people, in fact, aren't. I was in a crowd that was 
behaving the same way that I was. So yeah. it all felt very, very natural because we were all behaving the exact same way. Some of us found recovery. Some didn't. Some are still out there and some I still hang out with. You know, I think of going to the golf course and playing around a golf without alcohol and it's become something that it's just no longer part of my game doesn't it does, doesn't occur to you does it go oh, i'm missing alcohol right now maybe early on I, I i could be missing it and occasionally you'll be in the clubhouse or something afterwards and you'll see people having a drink and you might think back on a, on the fun times but the, the mind is funny like that my mind wants to to remember the fun times the good times that alcohol brought it it forgets about the things like uh financial challenges work struggles uh, forgetting where the cars park as a result of the alcohol absolutely use. and that sounds like you talking about rediscovering joy enjoying these kinds of things without all of those complications right. and i think for for me there was a, a level of unpacking and starting anew in a way that showing up for these experiences meant something different but of course, it comes from a place of fear of will I ever be able to go to the football game or will I ever be able to go to dinner where they serve alcohol and not be triggered? And I think as Paul spoke on early on, those are big, big feelings. Um, and the misconception of people around me was we can't go there because they serve alcohol there and that's going to affect Colleen. And again, some of the conversations I had with people helped that. Um, but now I it's more about being able to show up in life and knowing that I don't need that. Yeah. That must feel, I don't know if empowering is the right word, but that must be a powerful feeling. It's beyond empowering. I think that in recovery, I found uh, a purpose and a passion and really the authentic Colleen. Hmm. One that maybe your friends didn't even know. How could they? Yeah. Because I didn't even know her. So I think there is, or at least used to be, some sort of stigma with somebody in recovery. And you both are sort of alluding to that now. Uh-oh, that's the person that's in recovery. So either they have a problem or we can't have fun around them. Talk about that. If, if, if somebody is abusing or drinking too much and they're afraid that that dark cloud is going to follow them now, what should they hear you say? What about that? Is there a stigma, or do you think that is past? We're not going to judge you or think less of you because you're a recovering alcoholic? I think we're in a better place than we've been maybe 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. I think there's still room to go, but that's my journey. That's the story that I have. That's who I am uh, at my core. And if somebody's unable to accept that, and I think you said it early, it's not – totally my problem um i'm not a i'm not a buzzkill i do all the fun things that are still out there to do um i i have a a limit as to how long i'll hang around a situation that might not be you know the the safest for a recovering alcoholic yeah. but it's um there there is stigma um i don't feel it as much anymore because i have a group of friends that support my lifestyle and we do things together, and more often than not, it's uh, it's sober events. And when I am with crowds that are drinking, they know now that I don't drink. And and most people at this point have never even really seen me drink. It's been a long time. No kidding, including um. Well, <clears throat> did you have you maintained your old friends? There are 
members of my old crowd that I still have as friends. Yeah. But it sounds like you've lost some, too, along the way. I guess maybe we all have, or or no. People go down different paths yeah. and different roads, yeah. and, there, and there's people that are still partying and, and drinking like that, that there's just no purpose to have them in my life. Well, I get that, and and that sounds very pragmatic, too. You don't say that and sound very judgmental. Maybe you are, but that just sounds like there's no purpose in my life. I'm not going to be drinking. Why am I going to go to a crazy drinking thing? There's no There's no room for it in my life. Yeah. How do you answer those questions? About... About the friends and how you've maintained them, gained new ones or lost old ones? I think that the friends that I have kept in my life, um, I've been able to find meaningful relationships with them, friendships. Uh, And what I've noticed is that people around me, as I have recovered and found recovery in my life, uh, have changed the way that they use and maybe in some cases have abused in the past alcohol or other drugs because they've seen an opposite side of it um i have a community of people that i found in recovery because i do find it you know as paul said uh we have similar interests in the fact of like you know full speed ahead on life and how do we show up every day and it's not about you know going out and partying till the break of dawn and creating wreckage in our lives and in in our you know that of what was our past but it's more about living in the moment and being present and experiencing those things uh for me i struggled for over 20 years so i feel as though i i show up every day with this like excitement about life and certainly like bad things happen things go wrong but i have this feeling where i can i can show up today and like bad things can happen but i still don't have to go back to what would have taken me down a rabbit hole was there this feeling early in your sobriety or maybe every day as you may have just suggested where you wake up and you know that you didn't drink yesterday, that you're a better version of yourself now, and there's almost a breath of fresh air in your lungs. It feels like a victory, like, here I go again. I'm, I'm, I'm that newer and better version of me. Is that something that happens? For me, it built over time. But it built because I was engaged in a recovery community, in 12-step community, in uh, sober activities and things that I get to do for my job every day, which is pretty darn cool at Rosecrans. But like the thing is, is that it built. I remember this moment of waking up and instead of having the cloud or the round and round thinking, or I just don't feel good, I remember hearing the song play in my head, It's a Beautiful Morning. And, you know, older song, if you could think if it's coming up in your head or not. And to me, it was like this lift of like gradually over time, the layers were peeled away and I began to be able to be free to be me, to wake up and feel happy. But I'm doing the things to keep me in line with that and that keep me going, living in this life of recovery. And I think when you were talking about stigma and shame earlier, it kept me sick and suffering for a really long time. In my early recovery, I was not shouting from the rooftops. Hi, my name is Colleen Fry and I identify as a person in long-term recovery. It took me time to get my foundation built so that I was able to face that judgment because that was something that took – I had no self, self-worth or self-confidence, any of those things that I wasn't going to be able to take what was coming at me. Right. But as that built, I want to scream from the rooftops now so that other people who may have been feeling like I had can know they can also feel like how I feel today. Well, that's why we're having this conversation. Did you have an it's a beautiful morning moment as well? <laughs> 
Absolutely. I think it's important to remember life is still fully in session, that bad days will come, that some days work is tough. Sometimes um, family might be going through something or or parents get old. I mean, those are all very real things, and we're all navigating the exact same life. We just have a different set of tools and, and skills and coping mechanisms to get through these types of things where we don't have to, to, to drink till dawn uh, to make the, the evil thoughts go away. There's now a community of people that I can trust and say, hey, I'm navigating the situation at work or at home that I have no experience with, but I'm connected to a community of people in recovery that have, and they're in a position uniquely qualified to help me. Well, let's talk about the jobs that you two do, because um, we've been talking about your own personal journeys. But as the director of alumni relations then for Rosecrans, Colleen, what do you do? I I am really grateful and blessed to be able to extend as part of Rosecrans this continuum of care. We don't – I feel good as a person in recovery and someone who actually sought treatment there – to be able to extend the love and the care and support uh, in so many places that you go for treatment or whatever it may be, it's it's a small segmented stay. If it's inpatient, it's you know maybe thirty days, or outpatient, it's this you know months at a time. And other places are like goodbye, see you later. I feel good about the fact that I work at Rosecrans, where we're like, we hey, <laughs> you're not getting rid of us that quick. We're going to stay connected to you. And what I get to be part of a lot of journeys, uh, as we all do at Rosecrans, of seeing the recovery side of things, that we do recover, that people have their families that they may have lost relationships with or their kids or their job or they get that new job of I get to witness and be part of the rebuilding of so many lives. Like it's the happy side, you know, and I think a lot of people have this misconception of like, mental health and and substance use uh, issues and addictions and that it's just awful all the time certainly the wreckage of the active stuff is horrible but like there's this whole big world of getting to see people like blossom into this life well alumni relations it makes it sound like you're planning softball games or we're all going to go to the game together stuff is is that we do do? those things uh for us uh the minute someone has a patient id number they're an alumni because we want everyone to have that connection. So you're emailing them? They're on an email list? We actually have our very own app. Um, it's a privacy-protected HIPAA community um, where it's safe. It's a safe place because although I might shout from the rooftops that I identify as a person in long-term recovery, someone else may be terrified to say that out loud or they don't have a community yet that they're engaged in. This is a safe place to go. They can they can talk about it. They can listen to podcasts. They can watch videos. Um, we link them with books and articles and resources. So the app is this resource. It is. And it's pumping out articles and all of these things yeah. to help somebody in recovery. Yeah. And as you said, also softball games. <laughs> we put together those activities for them to engage in, too. As the director of access at Rosecrans Lakeview, what do you do i oversee admissions to a sober living facility it's a recovery home it's a place a safe place a condo style apartment building where individuals who are new in recovery want extra support as they start this venture of sobriety so somebody who might be transitioning from a residential treatment setting perhaps they're finishing up a 28-day program might not want to go back to their original place they might not 
need, want to go back to their roommates or their family. They may need additional support at a sober living facility. So we have created a structure where individuals can come and live with other people who are on the exact same journey that they're on. We help them find 12-step meetings or other uh, hot beds of recovery, such as smart recovery, dharma recovery, refuge recovery, so many people think that 12-step is the only way. It's not the only way. There's a lot of different fellowships out there where people get better. We help our new clients write resumes and learn how to budget and find jobs, meaningful, purposeful work, things that they weren't probably able to do or may have struggled with while they were actively using. What's the age of these people? Can go as uh, eight. We're an adult facility, so 18 to you tell me. Sky's the limit. But these people had lives or jobs before, so how are they not able to resume those? Well, if they still have the job, if the job is still intact, they're more than welcome to continue to go to that place of employment while they're living in sober living. We're not keeping people locked away. We're, we're, we're a spot where people just need to be home by a certain time and have extra support. Oh, do you, you have a there. curfew for we do. them? We do. And I guess that's uh, they signed up for it. That's But that's sort of an artificial construct then, isn't it, right? Because if you are fully engaged in the real world, you don't have a curfew. You're able to come and go as you please. Do people see this as a sort of a bridge to that? This is 100% a bridge, John. This is before I go back fully integrated into the quote-unquote real world, I want to learn some tools. I want to have accountability. I want to have a staff that's going to be on hand 24-7 to make sure that I am where I say I'm going to be, when I'm going to be. Do you have activities at the facility? Absolutely. We have in-house meetings. We have a life skills group that meets weekly. We have an all-community meeting. Um, we We come up with planned activities as the weather starts to break in the spring we'll do nature immersion type trips to the forest preserves we'll go to games we'll show our clients that this is not the end of your life this is the beginning of your life folks that have never run a 5k before come on let's train for a 5k let's do things that that People coming to recovery sometimes don't know what they like yet. So we have to explore different options. Paul, I get this question. I don't know what my hobbies are. My hobbies are doing drugs. And we have to be there to to start to give ideas and, and try different things. And maybe somebody loves music. We have a music room at our facility um, where clients can play guitar and learn to play the violin and Talk about this stigma. Uh, I mean, not stigma. Uh, maybe it's – I don't think it's a stigma at all, but maybe it's a misconception that when you are in recovery, your life is about recovery. That's – you know, I'm meeting with people and we're talking about our recovery. And we're always hoping that we're not going to fall back into our old ways and, and, and uh, maybe better that life than the one with drugs and alcohol. But um, tell me about how dependent you are on that part of your life in your new life. You know what I mean? Um, Why don't you go first? I think that is a misconception of it's overwhelming and you have to, all you have to talk about is your problems and all these things. And you don't want to go to all these meetings. I don't want to sit in a meeting and say, hi, my name is Colleen and I'm an alcoholic. You know, those things where it can be overwhelming, but uh, really the misconception is there is that uh, really 
those meetings are about solutions <laughs> about it's not the the whole hum negative of the past it's about okay here's a problem let's together or we'll talk about a solution and this is how it might work and for me i found that although in the right places uh in something like this or in a way that I might be in a room of people that I'm talking about this recovery, I'll shout from the rooftops that, you know, this is a recovery journey for me personally. It's not something that I walk up to the person on the street and say, <laughs> you know, like, hey, I'm an addict, alcoholic, or whatever. I think that because of re- living a life in recovery, it's given me the ability to find that authentic Colleen, where some may- people may think it's so overwhelming and you have to go to meetings six times a day, you know, like that's exaggerated. But um, the things that I do to maintain my recovery are far less ho-hum, drum of that, like, I have to do it, and more of, I'm excited to do this in my everyday routine. It's just who I am today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you answer it the same way? I, I definitely agree. Um, I didn't enter this to live a life of doom and gloom. Um, life was at a place where it was almost unlivable. And this is a very good alternative to that previous life. Um, through my own experiences, I've, I've found activities and things that I like to do with people that I, I like. It's a whole new group of friends. But this is not a, a glum lot, as the literature might suggest. But you both have spoken about boundaries that you sort of imposed upon yourself. You know, like if the situation is uncomfortable, I'm going to have an exit strategy, okay. etc. And I guess the question is the same then, that that's not a great burden in your life, that that's just a strategy you you have in the back pocket if you need it, huh? I think it's freedom. I think it's freedom to set healthy boundaries. I think that's something in life as humans we need, not just in those in recovery. Yeah. And I think it, it for me, having healthy boundaries, although they're hard and challenging at sometimes, especially coming from a place where I didn't have good healthy boundaries, but now having those boundaries in my life is freedom. Because I don't, I don't worry about it. You know, I here's my boundary. I'm going to do what I can to set it, and this is how I'm going to go about my life. And like Paul said, and like I think we both talked about, is that life is so much more than this problem that took us down for a really long time. You wanted to say something, Paul? You know, I, I think about the a, a life resigned to hours of meetings in church basements as being like the the vision of of what this is. I think that is for a lot of people. It it probably is. Uh, The reason I continue to go to the church basement a few times a week for 60 minutes at a time is because I know there's going to be somebody in that basement that was just like me a long time ago that didn't have a clue how to not drink. So you feel good about what you what happens there? Absolutely, I feel good. First, I'm going to see people I know, people that are I consider friends, and I'm also going to see somebody walking into their first meeting ever in life and not having a clue what the next step is. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I would like both of you just think for a minute uh, to tell us a story, and then we can wrap this up. Uh, but I really appreciate the tone that the two of you bring to this, not just your experience and what you're saying, but you both do sound so healthy and happy and actualized and i think that's really what we want people to appreciate or think about uh, as they imagine the journey that the two of you have gone through but tell me the story of somebody who maybe um 
in the sober living situation or as an as an alumni director uh, tell me the story of somebody who um, has discovered their life you know in, in a way that they didn't imagine tell me a success story tell me something positive about somebody who related back to you and said wow uh, I'm, I'm so glad I did the work, and now I'm living this happy life. Does something come to mind when I bring that up? I, I can think of one that popped to mind immediately. Um, in the recovery home, we have a, a position, somebody that works for us, called a recovery coach. He works individually with our clients on various life skills, and our clients meet with this individual on a weekly basis. And it's that employee's job to kind of help explore things that might be of interest, Um and the recovery coach was quite the runner. And this young man and the recovery coach started going out on weekly runs. And I, uh, I only know this because uh, through alumni services and alumni relations, this client has reported back to us now that he's outside of the recovery home living environment. He just finished his first marathon down in Myrtle Beach. He's been sober. He's got 10 months on March 27th. He's 10 months sober now. And he's doing things he never, ever dreamed of doing. A year ago, shooting heroin, 10 months later, reunited with his family, running marathons, new group of friends. These stories are happening every single day. I I wish every story worked out that way. We help a lot of people. And, And if I think long and hard, there's... Multiple stories like that. Hmm. How about you? I think that that's the part I get to see every day. And I think about so many stories um, because, again, in the app that we have, our alumni app, people will post that I got the interview for a job. And then they'll come back the next day and they'll be like, I got the job. And you see the community and connection of someone they may not know personally, but cheering them on and saying this. And I think about one person in particular who – Back when I first started, we have a, a alumni recovery center in Rockford where they can come in, they can use computers, they can, you know, watch t- TV, participate in a movie or um, in meetings, and they could read books, all of this stuff. I remember him sitting on the couch, and he had lost his way. And I remember how broken and defeated and ashamed he felt. And to see him in a healthy relationship. Um, being a good father to his girls, uh, to now sponsoring other people in the 12-step community that he participates in, leading meetings, having a job, like all the things, looking looking at that defeat. And to know that, you know, going on, he's getting close to three years. His life has completely changed. But I get to see that on a daily basis where those things are happening. The, the kids are back in my life. I got a job. I I ran a marathon for the first time. I found a new hobby. I'm an artist now. You know, it was something I always thought I was kind of good at, but now I'm really doing this. And there was a, a woman who I uh, have known for, through the recovery community who was on a meeting the other day and said she started blowing glass again. And it's just those things that, you know, it's even just that human connection mm. of, you know, seeing the sunrise or sunset and seeing the colors. It's something that I talk about all the time is it happens every day, right? I can't tell you how many pictures in my phone I have of sunrises and sunsets because 
people send you those pictures of sunrises and sunsets, or you're taking the pictures of sunrises? I'm taking the pictures, (laughs) but those are the moments for all the people. Those are the things. It's something as small as that. Those are the celebrations, you know, not overcoming this largest hurdle, but being able to show up for life. As I said, you know, I just get to see people talk about all of that every day. Hmm. Uh, Last question for the two of you. Um, My only friends will be in recovery, my life in recovery. I think we actually talked about that. There was one other thing I was going to ask you about your friends and your friendships. But I, I suppose we've touched on all of that. Any last thing the two of you want to share with us before we wrap this up? I think Colleen hinted at it early on, is that there's a big world of joy out there that folks that are struggling have some place they can call for help. Help is out there. It can be with Rosecrans. It can be through a lot of different channels. But I think the, the, the stigma can start internally that I'll never get over this. I'm a failure. Uh, my family doesn't love me, and nothing could be further from the truth. Help is out there if people call and ask for it. That's Paul Gilmet. He is the director of access at Rosecrans Lakeview. And Colleen Fry has been visiting with us, the director of alumni relations for Rosecrans. Last word from you. I didn't mean to no. shortchange you there. No, and I, I definitely think that, uh, you know, the connections – of having a recovery community into life and that for those people who be who question uh will they be able to build meaningful connections in their life and have this new way of living in recovery those connections are why we are able to do this hmm. and that it is possible and that no matter what the story in in our heads has been of why it's not going to work out or what barrier is going to keep me being, from being successful? You'll find strength in and connection in that community to help make recovery possible. It's hmm. well put, both of you. Well done. Thanks for coming in. <laughs> Thanks, John. Thanks, John. This is On Your Radar, Living in Recovery, a podcast series produced by WGN Radio and the doctors and clinical staff at Rosecrans. With over 60 locations throughout Chicagoland, Northern and Central Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa, help is just a click or call away. Go to rosecrans.org or call 866-830-8729 for more guidance and information. Rosecrans, life's waiting.